Ephesians chapter 6. We'll begin our reading in verse number 10. As we think about this Sunday, God is Greater Sunday. This week, we're going to begin looking at the particulars of the armor of God. And I want us to think about the faith, the truth. I want us to think about the gospel and the foundation for all of the armor of God that we'll look at through the next few weeks. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 10. The Bible says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to, to withstand in the evil day, and have, having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. I want us to notice the expression that we find in verse 14. The Bible says to stand having your loins girt about with truth. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for your word, and we're grateful for the opportunity that we have to to come together and to worship you corporately. We thank you for your word and what it means to us as believers I pray, Lord, that you would bind Satan and his demons. I pray that your word would fall on good ground, that you would speak to us individually and help us as believers to make good decisions this morning. And I pray, Lord, if there's an individual here that is not a Christian, Lord, I pray that today would be the day of salvation for them, that they would call out upon you before it is too late. And so, Lord, I pray that your blessing would be upon our time together. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want us to notice in this passage of Scripture, and there are so many different truths and rabbit trails that we could take through each of these pieces of armor. But I want us to notice how the Bible stresses that we are to put on the whole armor of God that all of the armor of God is important. All six pieces are to be an addition to the Christian's life. We must be completely protected against the wiles of the devil. For an unbalanced believer is one that cannot stand against the Satan's wiles. Now, the armor of God is an exterior picture of something that is interior. In other words, it's a physical picture that relates to our spiritual life. It's the picture of a soldier, and no doubt, as Paul is sitting in a prison cell, and he's writing to the church at Ephesus, he saw many soldiers. And as he's looking at each of these soldiers, he's thinking of his own spiritual battle, his own circumstances. And he understands that he is in a war against the evil forces of the unseen world. 
The hymn writer said, stand up, stand up for Jesus, stand in his strength alone. The arm of flesh will fail you, ye dare not trust your own. Put on the gospel armor, each piece put on with prayer. Now, I also believe that when it comes to the armor of God, that the order of Ephesians chapter 6 is vital. And I think that each piece of armor builds upon the latter piece. And so as we study through this together, uh, we're going to look at each of these pieces of armor in the order presented by the Holy Spirit. The first, the Bible says, is to have your loins girt about with truth. Now, we have to understand as we, we relate this to our spiritual life what it was like to be a soldier in Bible days. The Christian soldier often wore long flowing garments or We could call it a tunic. It was a large piece of of material with holes for the arms and the head. Because the battle was mostly, in these days, hand-to-hand combat, this flowing garment would be a hindrance to the soldier. And so the custom of the day would be to tuck this piece of garment in with a leather band or a leather belt. This is what the Bible is talking about when it, it says to gird your loins and And this is the picture that's presented. And and this picture of girding your loins is not something just found in Ephesians chapter 6. In fact, if you're a Bible student, you see this throughout the Bible. Exodus chapter 12 and verse 11. The Bible says, And thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on, on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And ye shall eat it in haste, It is the Lord's Passover. Luke chapter 12 and verse 35, Luke is speaking of the second coming of the Lord and he's talking about being prepared, ready for action. And he says in Luke 12 verse 35, let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 13, Peter says, wherefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and hope to the end, for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So this is a common picture or illustration that we find in the, in the Bible. In fact, in Bible days, anyone who had hard labor to do or a task to get done, they would, they would gird up their loins and they would work at the task at hand. The illustration of girding your loins speaks with preparedness. A soldier that was serious about the battle was to secure tightly their tunic with this band or this belt, and they were to be ready or prepared to battle, to to fight. They would be standing ready. And this is the illustration as we think about the foundation of the other pieces of armor. This is where Paul begins. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. Be ready. Be prepared. I want us to look at this scripture together and kind of build it out for us as we compare scripture with scripture. If you're taking notes this morning, would you write down number one there, the blank, the foundation of truth. The foundation of truth. You see, this belt was more than just holding up the garments. 
The belt was used to hold the sword. It, it really placed together all of the pieces of the soldier. It was the foundation for the outfit or the uniform of a soldier. Without the belt, they were really not ready to battle. It was an important place, an important piece. You remember the generation of people that needed belts? I think that was my generation. <laughs> you know, I'm talking about everywhere that they went, they needed to pull up their pants. You know what I'm talking about, right? They called it fashion, I called it disgusting. <laughs> you can imagine these young people engaged in the battle. I mean, one hand on the sword and one hand on their pants, holding it up, running, running for the battle, right? And yet, the Bible is telling us that a Christian, as they are engaging in battle, they're to be prepared. They are to, to be ready. And Paul says, be ready to battle at any time. Have your garments tightly in place with truth. And this first piece of armor is foundational for a reason. Because truth is where we stand. We stand in the truth. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 19 tells us that if this foundation crumbles, then we have no hope at all. The Bible says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. If Jesus is not resurrected from the dead, he's our foundation, then we are most miserable people. Without the foundation, we have no place to stand. Now, the truth here, as people study this passage of Scripture, they relate it to the sword of the, of the Spirit and the Word of God, and I think obviously that is the case. But I think this is speaking of the generic truth. This is talking about our faith in general, the foundation of what we believe. Jesus said in John 8, verse 32, And ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. The truth will make us free from what? Well, it'll make us free from the wiles and the confusion of the devil. It is where we stand. We stand in the truth. Jesus continues by saying, if you continue in the word, then are ye my disciples indeed. We are held by the truth. We are bound together as that band would gird up the loins of an individual. We are held together by the truth. It controls our life, our thinking, our actions, our reactions. Our life as Christians are governed by the truth. That's why we're here today. We are here today because of the truth. The Bible says in Jude 3, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Now Jude said, I wanted to write a, a nice letter and I wanted to talk about our common salvation and the blessings of being a Christian and the foundation in which we, we, we have placed our feet upon. But Jude said, I could not do that because the faith was under attack. And he says, we have to earnestly contend 
for the faith. And that faith there generically is our beliefs. It is the truth. It is the faith. It is our foundation of what we believe. It is the settled convictions with regard to the truth. Paul says, I know whom I have believed. And I know what I believe. This is the gospel. It's where we stand. If you're taking notes, would you write this down, letter A? Think about this for just a moment. The truth is found in the person of Jesus Christ. So we're talking about the truth or the faith or this foundation. This foundation is placed upon Jesus Christ. John chapter 14, verse 6, the Bible says, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now, Jesus is not talking about specifics here, though, of course, that's included. But he's talking about the foundation, that he is the way to the Father. He is the truth, and he is the life. The Bible says that he is the foundation. Christ is the foundation for our faith. He is our salvation. He is our Savior. I hope you understand this, that Salvation is not found in a religious system. If there is no Jesus of the Bible, then we might as well just pack everything up and go home. He is our everything. He is our reason why we are here. He is the truth. He is the faith. Jesus came to us when we were at our very worst. He came fully God and fully man and he died for our sins. He was buried in a borrowed tomb, and three days later, he was resurrected, and we serve a living Savior today. And as Christians, because he lives, we will live also. Our life is hid in him. As believers, we are in Christ. The Bible says in Romans 3, verse 24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption of, that is in Christ Jesus. You know, there's this wonderful truth in the book of Colossians where it talks about Jesus Christ as the creator of all things. Without Christ, nothing that is made would be made. He is the creator. And the Bible declares for us that Jesus is God and he is the creator of all things and the Bible says in Colossians 1 verse 17 that he is before Jesus. He is before all things. And by him, Jesus, all things consist. Christ holds this world together. But I want to remind you, believer, that he also holds your life together. He is the foundation of everything that you believe why you are here today, what you teach your children, the foundation of where you stand. Jesus is not just something you throw into your life. No, he's far more than that. As believers, Jesus is our life. The Bible says that ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. For ye are dead, Paul said to the church of Colossae, and your life is hid with Christ in God. He is your life. You know, there's a strong connection in the Bible of, as we compare it together, of the armor of God and, and Christ himself. 
how many times in the Bible, and we don't have time to study it out this morning. We have more to cover. But how many times in the Bible does it say to put off the works of darkness and to put off the flesh and to put on the Lord Jesus Christ? Several times through the epistles, the Bible tells the believer and encourages the believer to put on the Lord Jesus Christ, to stand in the confidence of the truth and the salvation that we have in our life. And so the Bible says that this foundation is found in Jesus Christ, but also think about this letter B. Truth is laid out for us in God's word. Having your loins girt about with truth isn't the particulars of, the God's, of God's word. Again, we'll look at that, at that when we talk about the sword of the Spirit. But we're talking about the whole truth. We're talking about the faith. And God has revealed to us the truth through his word. The Bible says, thy word is, say it, truth. Thy word is truth. John 1.14, Jesus is the word. Thy word is truth, and Jesus is the word. In Revelation chapter 19, verse 13, Jesus is called the word of God. God has revealed himself through the person of Jesus Christ, and the person of Jesus Christ is revealed to us through his word. And so therefore, the Bible is not just another book on your shelf. It's not just another volume in a mass library. No, we hold in our hands the word of life. This reveals to us the person of Jesus Christ, our Savior, our foundation, our life, our everything. The revelation of God is the truth or it is the faith. And we stand on that truth. We trust it with our life today, but not only our life today, but our eternity. All of our eggs are in that basket. We are trusting in Jesus Christ because he cannot lie. He always keeps his word. And I love what the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. Nevertheless, no matter what the world says, no matter the opinion of other people, because the opinions of others does not determine who God is. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. He is the truth. He is our faith. But I want us to notice, secondly, if you're taking notes with me, would you write this down, the fight for the truth. The fight for the truth. Paul told Timothy, his son in the faith, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, he said, fight the good fight of faith. There's that thought there again, the truth, the faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. In other words, let your confidence be in the truth. In other words, let me make it simple for you. Put on the belt of truth that holds your life together and stand in that confidence and fight the good fight of faith. You say, why is it a fight? Because the devil doesn't want you to stand in the confidence of the foundation that has been laid in Jesus Christ. He will do whatever he can to distract you 
He will do whatever he can to confuse you. He wants people to be led astray with teachings and doctrines that are not of God. He's there to sow in our hearts doubt so that we are distracted. Think about the words of Paul to the pastors of Ephesus. I, I mean, he's preparing to leave them. And before he leaves, he gathers them all together and he says these words to them. He says, for I know this, Acts 20, verse 29, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years, I've ceased not to warn everyone night and day with tears. I mean, think about the battle that's being fought here. And by the way, let me say this. We're a big church, and we have people coming in and out all of the time. And the reality is this, that you may walk around and hear a doctrine that's talked about or a, a teaching or an ideology that someone mentions, and it doesn't mean that that's the teaching or the doctrines of Kitchener Baptist Church. The devil tried to get the Jewish believers to put their trust in circumcision and the observance of the law. Antichrist, the spirit of Antichrist is around us today. That's instead of Christ. Any kind of religious system that replaces Jesus Christ as the foundation is the spirit of Antichrist. And the devil was right there sowing the seed of doubt among the Galatian believers. They were saying, well, anyone who's a real Christian is circumcised and is, has to become a Jew. You can't truly be saved unless you're a Jew. We read what Paul writes to the church of Galatia as he fights the attack of the devil because this is a spiritual battle and it, 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 it's further than just flesh and blood. And so Paul writes to these believers saying, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. That by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. You can read more about that in Galatians chapter 2, by the way. We love 2 Corinthians chapter 15. It's a wonderful passage of Scripture that we often read during a funeral, and it, it's such a wonderful, powerful truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But think about why Paul wrote that. He wrote it because in the church there were those who taught that there was no final resurrection of the dead. And so Paul is writing... 1 Corinthians chapter 15, to counter the attack of the devil on the very doctrine of the resurrection. And I want to remind you this morning that we cannot have our heads in the sand because the devil is that subtle. And you might watch someone on YouTube or the internet or, or maybe a TV evangelist and they have their production budgets and they have the charisma and, and they have pulled also countless people into a teaching that is not of the truth. 
because the devil's schemes are flawless. And he knows exactly how he can catch people and drive them from God. And so Paul says, you got to wear the belt of truth that holds your life together. It's the foundation for everything that we believe because the devil is constantly fighting that truth. Now, it's true that the Christian cannot lose their salvation, but they can lose the confidence in that salvation. And that's what the devil wants. So what does it mean for us? Let me give you some practical thoughts. First of all, letter A, know the truth. Know the truth. And they shall know the truth, and the truth shall set them free. You know, an adult in the faith is where we all want to be. We all, we all want to be mature Christians. You, you know, listen, battles are not for children. And, and if we are going to stand in the truth, then we need to know what the truth is. Here, here's what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus right before Ephesians 6, before he told them to put on the belt of truth. He says in Ephesians 4, verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. I, I call these tumbleweed Christians. Whichever way the wind is blowing, that's where they're going. Spiritual Christians are those who follow the Bible, who follow the Word of God, but these types of Christians, oh, they just follow every doctrinal whim, every new idea, every new doctrinal trend. One moment they believe this, and another moment they believe that. And they can't fight the good fight of faith because they have no idea what the good fight of faith even is. And they have no confidence in the salvation that is provided. They are not prepared for the spiritual attacks of the devil because their loins are not girded with truth. And friend, I'm here to tell you, if you don't stand for something, then you'll be quick to fall for everything. And so the Bible says stand. Our belief is founded on the word of God. And if you want to know more about what the Bible says about the faith or the truth, then I would encourage you to talk to myself or to Brother Marr. We have a wonderful discipleship course that we can walk you through one-on-one. -on -one, and it will help you to understand biblically where we stand and what the Bible has to say. There's nothing shameful to being prepared to fight. There's nothing shameful to being ready to battle. And so I say, know the truth. Number two, stand in the truth. Stand on that foundation. Have confidence. Lay hold on eternal life. How many times does the Bible tell us to stand? It says, stand fast in the faith, 1 Corinthians 15, 30. It says, stand fast against the, the doctrines of the devils. Stand fast in the Lord, Philippians chapter 4, verse 1. Know the truth, stand in the truth, and then walk in the truth. Walk in the truth. 
We walk in the confidence of the Lord. We serve the Lord. Remember, the armor of the Lord is not for a Christian who's not doing anything. The devil has you right where he wants you. It's for a Christian who's ready to battle. It's for a Christian who's preparing for war. It's for a Christian who's fighting the good fight of faith. And so they're going to gird up their loins and they're going to walk in the truth and they're going to move forward in the faith and they're going to stand in the truth. They want other people to know that truth. They, they want other people to have that foundation in their life. And that's what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2. And the things which thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also because that's where we want to be in spiritual maturity is not only stand in the faith but help others stand in the faith as well and to be a teacher and a helper to them. And I'm not talking about standing in endless genealogies or fables. I'm talking about that which is gospel-centric, the truth, the faith, the foundation in where we stand. Number three, and I'll be done. Think about the furtherance in the truth. The furtherance in the truth. I think this piece of armor, as we think about girding our loins with truth, I think it also speaks of our attitude in the battle. And this attitude, of course, is truthfulness. And it's the attitude of furtherance with a genuine commitment of serving the Lord. Because if you're going to place the armor of God on you, then you're making a commitment that you're going to not let the devil win and that you're going to fight and that you're going to be committed to this battle. You know, winning in, in war or sports has often been said that it comes down to the attitude of the commitment. And we all know the stories of the underdog in sports how a team that shouldn't win wins because they have more of a commitment. They want it more. And the belt of truth is a commitment to trust and to rely or to stand in the confidence of the truth or the faith. It's continuing in the faith and the truth. It's marching forward with God's help in our life. Some years ago, I heard the story of a young Jewish man who was from the United States, who decided to go to Israel to live. And after working there for two years, he was required either to serve in the army for a, a given period of time or to return home to the United States. And so this gentleman decided that he was going to join the army. His father was a good friend of the Israeli general, who at the first was afraid of the young man, would use this friendship to secure an easy, safe assignment in the army. But instead, this young man went to the general, and he said this, my present duty is too easy. He said, I want to be in the finest, most strategic, diligent, and difficult regime in the Israeli army. And commenting on the spirit of dedication of this young man, the general said these words, he said, people think Israelis are so successful at war because we are super people or we have super intelligence or super strength. But our success is not built on any of these things. It is built on commitment, on reserved and sacrificial commitment. 
And if we're going to be a soldier in the army of the Lord, if we're going to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ, then it's going to take commitment. It's going to take commitment. I'm talking about enduring hardness, trusting God through the various obstacles that come into our way, running our race with patience, the race that is set before us, trusting that God has a purpose and a plan in our life, that he would take our circumstances ultimately and use them for his glory is going to take commitment. And it means that we are going to have to be armored with the belt of truth and to stand upon the foundation of Christ that stands sure and trust him the whole way. You say, why, why this commitment? Why is it so important? Just a couple of things. First of all, I believe it really comes down to a heart to please God. At the end of the day, as soldiers of the Lord Jesus, we want to be prepared for battle because we want to please God with our life. We are committed because we want God to be pleased. I don't think there's a Christian here this morning that would disagree that the Christian's desire, even though we may not fulfill it the way we ought, is to please God with our life. We want God to be honored with the life that we live. And that's why Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.4. He said, no man warreth and tangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. We, we don't get entangled with the things of this world. No, our goal is to fight the good fight, to stand in the truth and in the faith because we desire to please the one who has made us a soldier. So is pleasing God important to you? Then put on the band of truth and be committed to the gospel. Number two, real simple. I think there's a desire to be a good steward. I believe every Christian desires to be able to come to the final days of their life and to be able to recite what Paul said to Timothy. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I've kept the faith. What a wonderful thing to say at the end of one's battle. As Paul comes to the final days of his, of his battle, of his war, he says, I fought a good fight. I, I fought in a good fight. This is a good fight. He said, I, I finished my course. What God has called me to do, I finished my course. You know, the greatest failure of a Christian is to be successful in something that God never wanted us to be successful in. He says, I finished my course, God's will for my life. And then he said this, I have kept the faith. There's that thought there, the truth, the faith. I've kept the faith. And the thought of that passage of Scripture is that he guarded. We, we see that old English word used a lot in the Bible, to keep. It means to guard or to protect. And Paul is saying in the Scripture here that, that he, he was guarding or defending what he had been put in charge in. In other words, there was a stewardship in his life. And, and he's saying in this passage of Scripture that, that he was ready, he was prepared, he was a good steward 
of what God entrusted him with. Christians, we're not going to stand before God as sinners. Our sin is washed away. It's under the blood. The old Baptist preachers that, you know, used to use the scare tactics that, you know, here you get to the end of your life, you stand before Jesus, and the screen comes down, and this is your life and all of your sins for everyone to see. Listen, he's never going to bring up your sin ever again. It's gone. But you will stand before him as a steward of what he has entrusted you with. The Bible says, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. You know, the great thing about faithfulness is we all can be faithful. You don't have to have great talents. You don't have to have great abilities. It's like the person who says, well, I'm making $10 a week, but I'll start tithing and giving to God his portion when I make a million dollars a week. If you're not going to give to God when you have $10, you're definitely not going to give to God when you have a million dollars. Just be faithful for what, with what you have. That, that's what the Bible is saying. And if we're going to be faithful with what we have, we're going to have to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. and Put on the belt of truth and stand. God help us. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for your word. And we're grateful for the opportunity that we have.